Hello, I'm Dr. Sam Hancock of the Emerald Planet and Emerald Planet TV. We come to you on a week-to-week -week basis from Washington, D.C. in the United States as we look around the globe in 144 different nations looking for those thousand best practices, the technology, services, and products that are making a difference as we move through the 21st century. And as we have a planet of 9 billion people by 2038 and possibly 12 to 13 billion by the end of this century, how are we going to be able to take care of all these people on planet Earth? And that's what Emerald Planet's all about. We come to you looking at the solutions, the best practices from around the globe as we create the Emerald Planet. Hello, welcome to the Emerald Planet. We're making a difference as we move through the 21st century. Seeing the long term impacts of climate change. But we're glad to have you. Thank you for being with us. Looking around the globe at water, water is life. And as we've added to this in these programs on the Emerald Planet TV, water and oxygen is life. But we're looking at the creation of new water. And this comes from stormwater, groundwater, whatever they call it in your community, it's the same. It is that in many communities, there's drought. Other communities, there's an excess of water, just as what we're having in most of the East Coast these days of the United States and many other countries around the globe. So how do we handle that? So this particular show is going to be about how do we capture, store, and then process and use this new water. So we reduce the amount of the existing water that we're taking from the ground, the rivers and the lakes, and to use this water in ways that's most purposeful and at the same time will help citizenry. We have with us a real expert on this stormwater capture. This is Brian Rogers. He's the director of conservation and sustainability for the constituent services worldwide and we're going to be talking about the river smart homes program of the department of energy and environment in washington dc and we're going to label this one safe water save the rivers and the streams brian welcome to the emerald planet tv well good afternoon sam how are you i am doing fantastic it's good to have you with us and uh, thank you very much for your leadership on the rain barrels, which is what we're going to be talking about, and all different aspects of the rain barrels. But CSW, tell us a little bit about that, and then let's really get into this save water, save the streams and rivers. All right. Well, CSW is uh, in Washington, D.C. The area is divided into wards. So CSW is a Ward 7-based company. Uh, which is in, located in Southeast DC, was a, its origins. And uh, it started from just a little program that we were renovating a, a basketball and tennis court that was uh, unused. And so we got a grant through the Department of Environment River Smart Communities Program. And we removed the surface of the tennis court to set up uh, and use the understones to build a community garden. So that's where it started from. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've uh, been working with uh, this summer youth employment program. 
uh, Green Zone Environmental Program, and we've established a relationship with the University of District of Columbia. Mm. And from there, we developed a program called the National Green Infrastructure Certification Program. Well, now we do serve, we train and educate district residents for job training uh, in the program. So okay. we're actually producing green employees. That's fantastic. Uh, the River Smart Homes Program, and we're looking at uh, a, a teacher here that's actually showing off one of your rain barrels. But River Smart Homes, and then they, of course, have River Smart Communities. Why are they focusing on rain barrels? Well, one of the, it's just one aspect of a five, uh, say, five stage program. Uh, the program itself consists of five elements that are offered to DC residents. Uh, one is trees, two, rain barrels, three, rain gardens, four, what they call bayscaping, which is basically conservation landscaping, mm -hmm. and five is permeable pavement. Mm -hmm. So they offer these uh, options to district residents. They come out and do uh, an audit, see what elements you can put in your yards, and then from there, uh, they tell you which ones you can use, and we, uh, our department basically is for rain, rain barrels, and that's what I do. I do the installations of the rain barrels for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and also you're doing much more than that because you're doing the consultancy. You're actually very much involved in uh, training and it's quite impressive what you're doing. We saw the first rain barrel, a nice round one. Uh, and this is called the Hydra. So why do we have these different shapes as far as the rain barrels? Well, uh, because Washington DC has sometimes postage stamp yards, a very unique setup situation. So the barrel options kind of give homeowners the the option of turning to uh, whatever fits their yard and their aesthetics the best. Yeah, I like the uh, style of this one. Actually, we've installed one of these and also the, uh, the round ones. But uh, looking at the uh, gutter pipe coming down, you have a splitter in this uh, downspout. Tell us what that splitter is all about and how does that work? And actually, how does that work in concert with the barrel or the hydra itself? Well, that that instrument is called a wide diverter. If you look closer at it, you'll see a little metal uh, extension. And that's how you switch the barrel from being on and off. Mm -hmm. So whichever direction that switch is pushed, tells the direction that the water is going to go. So if it was to push to the right, it's going into the right. If it's pushed to the left, it goes to, to the left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the whole thing about this is really to control it. And uh, now I, I put this one in purposely because I want to show people that you actually really do some work. And uh, let me go back to that. And this is very important as far as these tools are concerned, because in your training, you're teaching people that have never been involved many times with uh, any kind of hands-on experience or working with tools. So what are we looking at here as the basic kit in order to be able to work with the rain barrels, the hydra, and the other forms that we're going to soon be seeing? Well, basically, though, you know, Sam, you're exactly right. Uh, those are the, some of the tools of the trade. The big yellow 
instrument you see there is what's called a sawzall. That's where we use to cut down spouts and, and gutters. Uh, inside that bucket, you have a very old cornucopia of tools because as many uh, decisions that you have to make in uh, installing the barrels is as many downspouts as a variety of downspouts that you have. So you have to be prepared for a number of uh, different situations. Like, what I like to say is kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to figure out how that, to get that water into the barrel. So what's flipped over on the ground is a assortment of screws and uh, other devices that are different uh, connections that we use to change the from Phillips to flathead screws and things like that. So right, yeah. uh, it's a big, big, big thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very important what you're doing and to have the right tools is absolutely critical. I was raised on a ranch. And uh, I mean, we had boxes of uh, different kinds of implements and all that. But looking at the the side of this, this is the hydra again. Tell us what we're seeing here. We have this hose coming out. Uh, we have a red spigot at the bottom. Uh, and then we actually have cinder blocks, uh, you know, all the way under this. Tell us this configuration and why is this important? So uh, number one is always going to be balanced. Uh, you got to make sure that that barrel, when it's filled up with water, can handle and sit still in the, the exact place you want it to. So that's the configuration of the cinder blocks. Over the course of time, we've learned that uh, certain configurations work best for certain barrels. Mm -hmm. So this is one that works well for the Hydra. As you can see, this is one of the uh, unique uses for the Hydra. It is able to run flat up against wall surfaces. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, unlike the octagonal barrel, which would sit in, and protrude more into, say, walk spaces and, and uh, ways you can pass by, mm -hmm. this Hydra is a slimmer model. So it kind of runs north and south more. Right. Uh, but you see the little black hose that's going in there? That's for overflow. So when the barrel uh, fills, it gets to that point automatically the water will come down that tube and into the existing downspout mm -hmm. and that's then at the bottom you have the uh, the red handled uh, spigot yeah that's a, what we try to do is always assess which way the homeowner is going to use the water so we always try to point the spigot in the most convenient way to service the the resident Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Now here's the the uh, octagonal one, uh, very different configuration of what we just saw. So tell us the the difference between these two besides just their shape. Uh, and also we can see there's a great deal of difference as far as where you're locating it uh, at the house itself. Well, this one is called a riverside or rain grid barrel. Uh, as you can see, it has an extension on the back, and much like where the Hydra is, the Hydra has that device that switches the barrel on and off. The black box on the back of the, this barrel serves as the same thing. It has, it has a tube that's inserted into the back of the box, and you pull that tube out for maintenance, and also it has on the back of it, whether it's in collect mode or bypass mode. When it's in bypass mode, uh, it will go down to the downspot that's underneath 
of the uh, box. Mm -hmm. So that's how it bypasses. It won't go into the to the barrel. It go out through the uh, downspout extended at the bottom. Now, why is it so important? We saw this with the hydro where you have the bypass or the overflow unit. Why is that so important? Good point. Uh, that's part of the winterization process. Mm -hmm. you, during the winter, of course, you don't want frozen water inside of a barrel. Uh, these barrels are mostly recycled plastic. Mm -hmm. So therefore, uh, there can be expansion and contraction and therefore do some kind of damage to either spigots or the barrel themselves. Okay. All right. Now these, uh, we're going to go through these quickly because we've just uh, run out of time. Uh, just, uh, just a snort, short snippet of each of these, uh, why they're different, why they look different. And then we only have about uh, 60 seconds left to do this. And the last okay. question is, what do you see for the expansion of this River Smart Homes Barrels Program uh, in the future? But let's let me just go through these and tell us what you think we're going uh, and uh, we'll just let people see these, but where we're going over the next five, 10 or 15 years, Brian. Okay, so basically these barrels are all barrels that technically would be supported under another aspect of the Risk Smart Home Program called the Rebate Program. This barrel here is also uh, with the, the District Department of, the, sorry, DC Water has a program also called Downspout Disconnect where these barrels are used to help disconnect. The same purpose basically as the River Smart Homes barrel. This is a different kind of barrel. Uh, this is a Bushman, uh, totally different kind of barrel, but about the same gallon quantity as these round ones. Here, you see in a technique called daisy chaining. This is where you make two barrels function as one. So the barrel that's up above the lower barrel serves as the catcher and then when that fills up, it transfers into the lower barrel. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go on this. What do you see for the expansion next five, 10 or 15 years? And you've got about 10 seconds now to do that. Just different variations of barrels because like I said, the, the, the unique situations of DC's barrels, I mean, DC's homeowners, and uh, just more involvement from the community as they get more educated in the reasons why they use these barrels. This is Brian Rogers uh, from the uh, Constituent Services Worldwide as we create the Emerald Planet. As we're talking about the creation of new water, this is really a topic that's going on all across the globe, all 214 countries and territories is that we're running out of the groundwater and in some places, even the surface water, but yet they're still having increased rains in many countries, as well as most of the East Coast and sometimes in the Midwest of the United States. So how do we take the stormwater, groundwater, whatever it's being called in your local community and capture that, process it, and then put it to good use? I have a real expert that's with us. This is Brian Rogers. He's the Director of Conservation and Sustainability, Constituent Services Worldwide. And we're gonna be talking about the rain barrels, the use by the homeowners, and how do you curb stormwater runoff so it's not creating damage and being put to good use. Brian, welcome to the Emerald Planet TV. Hello, Sam, how are you? 
Now, looking at the uh, collaboration CSW, your constituent services worldwide, and the DOEE of Washington, D.C., why do they actually work with contractors such as yourself to, uh, to make this program and expand the River Smart Homes and the River Smart Communities Project uh, beyond the government itself? Well, uh, good question. Uh, one of the reasons is that we are more in touch with the community at large in a lot of respects. Uh, we're kind of their vehicles for information and spreading uh, spreading knowledge. Also, though, uh, it's more cost efficient to use contractors rather than use uh, federal employees or district employees mm -hmm. to do these kind of projects. We can mobilize quicker and faster. Right. And also you have the expertise. I wanted to kick off with this because what we're really focused on uh, in uh, this show, Brian, are the homeowners and why they want to be involved in the project. So we see this sign here, clean water starts here. How is that true? And how does this rain barrel right behind this mom with her two children uh, emphasize the fact clean water starts here? Well, this is, this is one of the first vehicles of any good program is to get your population wanting to participate. And uh, through this program, uh, homeowners get to actually learn about how using things like rain barrels and rain gardens help to serve great, to treat gray water mm -hmm. and therefore treat the, make it easier on the streams and, and byways to, uh, to have cleaner water. So this is just one step in a multi-phase multi process, but Everybody can participate in this program. The River Smart Homes program is very good at showing how home, individual home owners can make an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it's absolutely a marvelous idea. Something that I suggested uh, to the department many years ago was to do something that's very natural, uh, increase the water tables, and at the same time cut down on the loading into the streams and rivers with these severe storms that's happening more and more these days. This is really a cute idea, and this goes to this whole thing about involving the community, particularly children. Why is it so important to have children that we just saw here uh, involved in painting the barrels and uh, being a cute, but actually a very necessary part of this particular program, Rain Barrels by for the homeowners? Well, Sam, that goes back to the ed education factors. By getting youth to participate in this, the message goes home because they convey to their parents what they did today. Mm -hmm. Also, as you can see on these barrels, it's all sending different messages about what they feel about the environment. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. We had a great time. This was a part of the Hickey Run Heroes program where uh, Langdon Elementary School uh, were the, was the uh, group that whose students participated in painting these barrels. Yeah, I think this is absolutely marvelous. But it doesn't matter what age you are. We're all young at heart. Uh, and we're using these rain barrels in very different ways. So we have some that are using it for their their home gardens and, and uh, yards. And others are part of these community gardens, similar to what we're seeing here with these raised grow beds. So how many different uses of rain barrels are there, Brian? Well, 
as many as you can count. You got to realize that even before this became more popular in urban cities, that in underserved countries, in underdeveloped countries, they were using this because this is the quickest way to catch water mm-hmm. and have it for them for themselves to use to cook with. Right. And do other things, wash everything. So this this is nothing brand new. This is just new to urban cities and its uses. Right. So in this case, you see here, this is a part of a project that UDC put in uh, in association with River Smart Communities, one of the other arms of the River Smart Homes pro- uh, program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they constructed about 80 community garden beds. So the residents in that community now can have fresh fruit and vegetables and the rain barrels helping the water. Yeah. And also too, this is really great exercise. It takes people out of their homes, puts them in the fresh air. Uh, They're processing vitamin D from the sun. There's so many benefits from this, but these uh, raised grow beds are just uh, fabulous because so much of the biomass that would go into the landfill or go be washed into the streams, all of a sudden that's now creating mulch and allowing people to grow their own food. Uh, But here's a very different configuration. uh, And also it's tied into uh, what we call house and a greenhouse. Yes, uh, this is what you refer to as a cistern. The difference between a rain barrel and a cistern is of course the amount of water it can contain. Cisterns run about 20,000 gallons or more. And that's what's considered more of a cistern, rain barrels, or anything pretty much under that. Mm-hmm. This is connected, though, to uh, either a hoop house or a greenhouse. And therefore, it's used, being used in one form or another to process water or, or uh, could be used for irrigation in the fields. So it, it could be serving, as you can see, there's uh, some electrical devices attached to it. So therefore it could be serving multi-purpose, have, have a multi-purpose setting. Yeah, and this looks like it's actually a sun tracker too, as far as a solar panel is concerned. And that yeah. may be used both uh, for the greenhouse and then also for pumping the water. So there's multiplicities of uh, green technologies in this one photograph. Now I threw this one in here. This is a, a real monster. We're gonna see it again in just a minute. Uh, but tell us about this and why are these larger units becoming now almost as popular as the barrels? Well, in most cases, you'll see things like this very underground uh, to serve to be used to do things like, especially like at Woodson Senior High School. They have cisterns buried and they're used to flush their uh, toilets mm-hmm. in the in the school. So. In this scenario though, uh, this homeowner had a situation where she was actually capturing stormwater of a huge rooftop on the left and on the right, a garage rooftop. Mm -hmm. So she was trying to contain all that water and capture it because one of the things that was happening is that it was going over to their neighbor's yard. So here's where this technique is used to help not only keep good neighbors as good neighbors, but to solve uh, a home issue. And the reason I, I brought this photograph, and now I have this photograph, which is uh, the one we've just seen, and I'm putting it as how you have this monster, and then all of a sudden it's just like it disappears. 
And this is the whole thing about it, Brian. Many people say, do I want something that large in my yard? And uh, but actually you can camouflage. You have different colors, uh, different ways of using these. So it's it's just really incredible how you're adapting this to what's called the built environment or uh, the inner areas. But this is another use. Tell us what we're seeing here. And uh, I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, These are the rain barrels. Jump back. Okay, what's going on as far as uh, the guttering is concerned? Well, this is a location over in Ward 8 where UDC has uh, two hoop houses where, where you grow seedlings. And, of course, it's built on the Sahar top. So as you can see on the left, that there are stormwater issues when, when the water comes off of the rooftop. So what they did was install a gutter system. And eventually what we're going to do is not only do some trenching to channel that water toward a conservation planting, but also attach uh, rain barrels so that we can use the water to water that same conservation plant. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, actually going for aquaponics, hydroponics uh, application, but actually having and capturing this water like this and putting in these much larger rain barrels, which are actually on the inside of the building. And we're going to see some samples of this uh, later on. Uh, But this is amazing how you can uh, reduce the amount of water you're taking out of uh, here, DC water, out of the municipal water supply and uh, using the the natural water it's coming in. Well, actually, Sam, what you're seeing here is uh, an aquaponics system. And in those big, huge containers, usually are schools of fish. Mm-hmm. And what the system does is that they take the fish excrement, excrement and use it as a, a source of nutrition for mm-hmm. the seedlings and plantings. So this rain barrel here is connected to that for some internal purpose in the, in the system. Mm-hmm. And that's just one more way you can use a rain barrel. I tell you, it's just amazing the way of doing it. Uh, We're going to go through these. Again, uh, we have so much to discuss, Brian, and thank you for being with us. Uh, But I'm going to go through this. Just tell us what we're seeing as we stroll through these different rain barrels, and then I'll have a final question. Well, this is kind of some of the unique situations you run into when you got to put a rain barrel in and somehow homeowners are thinking of innovative ways to use their barrels. And this one is underneath the porch of the house. So that's how that one's going to be used. This is, again, under uh, under actually a deck. So this one is used because there's a, a small garden planting in front of this one. This one is a unique situation because, as you can see, there's a tube, there's a hose running from it. So it's used to plant, to water the hostas. But for to get the water out better, it's also set set up on uh, eight cinder blocks instead of the normal floor to give the gravity more force to get the water out there. This, of course, is uh, the daisy chaining of two hydro barrels. And if you look at the bottom, you'll see one has a red spigot and the other has a plug. Well, that red spigot part is going to be used to go into a, a raised garden bed. Well, I, it's just uh, marvelous what you're doing. Uh, last question is, and you've got 10 seconds, what do you see for the adoption of rain barrels over the next 5, 10, or 15 years by homeowners? And you got to be quick. Well, 
it's as stormwater and, and environmental issues develop, this is going to be one of the methods we help to manage it. That's fantastic. Brian Rogers of uh, the Constituent Services Worldwide, thank you for being with us as we create the Emerald Planet. As we move forward through the 21st century, there are real emphasis on green jobs, green jobs and green businesses. Very important as far as the future of employment, creation of new green businesses to provide stability for families, communities, and of course, their nations. And so Brian Rogers is with us. He's the Director of Conservation and Sustainability of Constituent Services Worldwide. And we're going to be talking about some of the green jobs training happening around rain barrels and why this is so important. So, Brian, looking at what CSW is doing, how did you really get into the training arm of rain barrels and creating people that actually have the skill sets to go out and be employed almost immediately, but also allowing them to, if they want, to create their own new green businesses? Well, uh, good question, Sam. How are you today? Um, I'm wonderful. Welcome. Good. Uh, it started with a program uh, from the Department of Environment, uh, actually a grant I received when I was working with uh, one of the nonprofits I work with uh, in the district, uh, Green Spaces for DC. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave us decided to give us a grant to work with youth from the Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services because they wanted to add an economic arm to the River Smart Homes program and an opportunity for to train youth and get them involved in uh, the economic side of the River Smart Homes program. So as you see here, this was one of the guys. Uh, we're teaching them about the parts and what it takes to build them. They were great. Uh, these young guys actually a uh, couple of them. If you sit and go to the next slide, uh, I'll show you. These are some of the parts that are involved. That's what I was talking about. Uh, these are the filters, wide divert, I mean, the vertical boxes and the tubes. So, and the whole thing about this, Brian, is you're actually doing, uh, in a sense, technology transfer into communities that traditionally have seen very little of that. And also, you're training people within the communities not only to install and be a part of the front end of this, but also they can have their own business or can expand uh, their uh, job opportunities as doing long-term service and maintenance, correct? Exactly. And it's also an education process because a lot of the folks that I, I dealt with in this particular project had never experienced anything like we were doing number one on the the installation side and number two there were parts of the city they haven't even uncovered mm -hmm. so this was a learning experience on multiple fronts uh these two guys actually we have a new training program that we did with the department of well dc water and uh udc the guy on the left actually went through the program and graduated and now he has his own business and the guy on the right actually is enrolled in the program and is now getting getting ready to be certified. Mm -hmm. 
So I want to stop right uh, here, Brian, and talk about why is it so important to have the creation of not only green jobs and uh, underserved communities, but also to teach them and allow them to create their own new green businesses and be owners of their own business, even if it's a non-employee business or they have one or two workers that's working with them. Well, first of all, the green industry is relatively still new. And there's a lot of fresh opportunities and, and ways uh, it allows for new businesses to be created. This is one area. Uh, it's virtually no overhead. You can get uh, started pretty quickly. Yes, there are facets of it as far as insurance and things like that that we have to give them guidance on, but it's virtually uh, self-regulating. You can pick your own schedule. And one of the coolest things I think about it is that when these guys develop their own businesses, they go back and get their buddies as employees. And therefore, you, you're actually contributing to a whole community of, of economically. Yeah, and I think it's incredible where you actually have, I'm going back and forth between these two, sure. because I know these are two different programs, but the whole thing about allowing people to have their own business is really where we need to be going in the 21st century, is that uh, larger and larger businesses are either closing or manufacturing overseas. Uh, but this is something to putting uh, as an example, these rain barrels and all these homes, this is something that's very difficult to outsource any other country. You have to have people right here. And you have a, a relatively simple technology that you're introducing, but yet it has profound impact. Yes, and it's also, like I said, it's, it's education for communities of color because we're used to, so used to uh, the standard jobs, the, the nine to fives. Mm -hmm. And this creates a whole different market. Mm -hmm. This new technology, the new green industry is, is introducing people to a whole nother market area where they can be controlling their own lives, create their own businesses. And like I said, they can go back, hire their buddies, family members, and create a business that's going to last them a long time. And this can be a secondary income also. Mm -hmm. This You can regulate this so that in this respect, you can say do this on the weekends, a couple of hours a week, and still have a regular job. So it's also income supplement. Now, looking at this gentleman here uh, carrying the barrel, I, I actually, uh, when you came and uh, put one in here, I actually lifted this. It's not very heavy. Uh, but why, why is it so important that the local community citizens be involved in learning uh, long-term maintenance and to understand what's really going on around the rain barrels? How is that a gateway entry into the entire environmental concern and environmental movement? Well, it's kind of one of the first steps you can introduce yourself to, to understand what the green movement is all about. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing how to capture stormwater. And like I said, these uh, practices have gone on for generations. So you're kind of identifying with some of the stories that especially folks like from the islands, from Haiti, from mm -hmm. the Caribbean, those guys were doing this a long time ago. 
So we're teaching a, a generational practice. Also, we're introducing them into uh, the new generation. Mm -hmm. uh, this program is, is, when they see it in the cities, they'll know what they're dealing with and mm -hmm. they will know what impacts they're making. So it's it's really a multifunctional program. Yeah, and I think it's quite impressive uh, when you have people from within the local community because literally they can be going from job to job or uh, their business activity and walk or take the local bus in 5, 10 to 15 minutes. They're actually at a, a job site where they're actually having a great impact on people that they probably know and been around most of their lives. So how is this uh, new generation of these entrepreneurs and uh, these uh, new trainees, how are they changing and helping to change the environments within which they find themselves in ways that they probably never even thought about maybe even one or two years ago, let alone five or 10 years ago? Well, one of the, the objectives the Department of Environment has uh, made a real effort to do is to educate underserved in, uh, communities on how the environment is important to them. Usually folks are from data on their day-to-day -day life, they don't worry about what, where the rain is going, mm -hmm. uh, what's happening around them in a lot of respects, because they're worried about bringing bread and food into the house. Mm -hmm. But now we're showing them a way you can make money and and this is and teach them at the same time you're actually showing them here's an environmental impact that you can help and here's how it affects your everyday life at your house mm -hmm. so all of those kind of things make it more understandable for everybody to understand that that contributing to this industry means you're actually making the the planet a better place now, involving women, uh, we have uh, one of your trainees here that's getting involved. Uh, and I know that uh, you've been trying to recruit women into this. So why is it so important to have women involved in the Rain Barrel program, but also the four other uh, branches of the River Smart Homes, River Smart Communities program, uh, so that they are learning these skills as well? Simple reason, Sam. Everybody plays a part. Women, children, men, everybody of all ages. So uh, one of our training programs, we've graduated folks from the age of 18 to 70. Mm. So everybody has a chance. This is a career opportunity that anyone of any age, gender, anything can participate in and make an impact. Simple. Mm. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, that's important about all this is, and you brought this up, and it's something we don't really think about, is where now you have people moving among communities, even as a city as small as Washington, D.C., even as our national capital. Uh, it's smaller than, you know, small towns and, and many countries around the globe. Uh, but having this mix of people and training them how to do green jobs and it allows them the freedom to move anywhere that they want to go. And people respect it. They respect you. And they want to know because in many cases, you know something they don't know. Well, actually, Sam, this is a global industry. Mm -hmm. 
you can translate these skills anywhere on the planet. Uh, so that's what makes it a, such a great thing to have in your tool belt. Right, right. And it's very important that, you know, everyone works together, collaborate. Uh, we're all in this together. The environment, uh, Mother Earth is not a respecter of uh, socioeconomic background or uh, color, uh, race, religion, any of that. You know, we all have to protect Mother Earth. So what do you think? Uh, and we have about 30 seconds for this question, uh, Brian. What do you think that we're getting out of this? that goes way beyond just the installation of rain barrels and capturing stormwater, groundwater, and processing and using it and getting us off of the centralized water system. The 30 thing, seconds, gotta be quick. The big things I think are, number one, education of the issues, the environmental issues we face, mm -hmm. and two, that green can equal green. <laughs> that you can bring bring home the bacon with green jobs. Yeah, I tell you, that's uh, that's something we have to really drive home and allow people to uh, have the opportunities for that. Uh, this is Brian Rogers. He's the Director of Conservation and Sustainability, Constituent Services Worldwide. Uh, just talking about green job training, that's why it's so important, and how to use rain barrels as a catalyst to mix society, to address the environment, and protect Mother Earth as we create the Emerald Planet. As we move forward with a new green economy, new green jobs and new green businesses, education is really at the center and core of all of this. And this is what we're gonna be talking about as far as the rain barrels, the DOEE, Department of Environment and Energy in Washington, D.C. But yet there are best practices here that can be used all across the globe. So we have Brian Rogers, who's the Director of Conservation Sustainability. This is the Constituent Services Worldwide. And we're going to be talking about education and certification, why they're so important. One is with the Chesapeake Bay Landscape Professional Organization. And the other is the National Green Infrastructure Certification Program. And Brian's going to talk about both of those, but we're going to be seeing real people doing real things. And the training that uh, these two organizations are involved in, you're actually going to be seeing people that have learned through these organizations, through the workshops, the seminars, and the courses, and actually applying these principles, these ideas, these processes, these best practices right in Washington, D.C., but again, these are available worldwide. Brian, welcome back. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm wonderful, and thank you for introducing both of these organizations, but tell us a little bit about each, and then I want to get into the images that you shared with us and how people are applying what they're learning actually in the communities and the impacts they are making in each one of these different projects we're going to be seeing. Oh, thank you. Uh, the National Green Infrastructure Certification Program arose out of what's called the MS4 project that DC Water is doing throughout the city. The M MS4 project is the Municipal Separate Stormwater uh, Sewer System. So uh, it basically is a big pipe. 
and then we're just going to put a big pipe underground to help manage the stormwater that's flowing in the city. Mm-hmm. But through some negotiation and some rethinking, uh, they decided to do some above ground elements to help with stormwater management. And so that involves the installation of different curbside and uh, rain garden type structures throughout the city to help manage stormwater as it hits the street. Mm-hmm. So that's what the NGICP growth program arose of. It teaches the construction, maintenance, and inspection of these kind of uh, installations. Mm-hmm. The Chesapeake Bay landscape professionals arose from the Chesapeake Bay Landscape Council. Uh, that's more built toward professionals that are already in the field. And that focuses more on the maintenance and inspection of these uh, new best management practices. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And actually, I've been one of those over the years uh, have been uh, actually trying to educate members of city council, uh, professionals uh, within city government, also in uh, Maryland and Virginia. Uh, about the uh, the natural ways of dealing with stormwater, groundwater, uh, how to capture that and put it to good use instead of just trying to uh, process it and put it back into the rivers. But we're going to go through some of these, Brian, and I'm going to ask you just a few questions, but let's just kind of have a pace as we go through this. Tell us what we're looking at, but what I want more than just what we're looking at, Brian, is the impact it's having in each and every one of these different projects. So let's pace ourselves. Uh, we have enough time, but you know we want to be at a steady clip as well. Sounds good. So in this first slide, what you're seeing is basically what's called bioretention in a bucket. The stormwater practices, the best management practices I was talking about, you have to understand what the concept is. So basically the participants in the program and the NGICP program build these bioretention systems inside of a bucket, pour in basically dirty water and watch how it comes out and see how it purifies the water. So this is where they get to understand what all the stuff looks like. Uh, Same thing here. Uh, There are stones in the bottom of the cup and therefore you pour them in and see how it washes over stones and eliminates byproducts. Yeah, and I think what is interesting about this is, uh, you know, you're involving local citizens, uh, getting them involved, but also the outcome of this is actually they may be able to set up their own new green business and their own green jobs. So uh, what is being incorporated in this so that when they leave here, it's not just something, well, that was a nice class that I took or a great course, uh, but this is something that really can add to my future. Well, one of the greatest parts about this program, uh, and I have to give kudos to DC Water about this, uh, the program, actually, the graduates of the program are then entered into what DC Water calls DC Water Works. So they build up a, a resume and a, a conglomerate of these kind of folks that have passed and graduated, and they they're actually any job position that's open on a project that DC Water has an operation that involves green infrastructure. Mm-hmm. These guys are then able to fill those positions. So they actually interview for actual green job positions with contractors that are working on DC Water projects. 
And what's really great about that is that now DC Water is actually writing them into their contracts that for these projects. Yeah, I just think this is incredible. Uh, look at the number of people here that are learning about this. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the rain gardens that are being put in. I know this is a different area of the city where I am, uh, but there's 12 of these, 12, a dozen of these uh, within less than about eight minutes of my house. Uh, and they're adding more of these. And of course, then they're putting in the pavers uh, in the alleyways. So this is really extending across the whole city. So why is that so important that we have the citizens from the city that you're seeing right here, along with the professionals, of course, uh, but spreading it across all eight wards of the city. And what does that mean for internationals watching this and wanting to incorporate this, whether it's Tokyo or London or Bonn, Germany, or Pretoria and South Africa? Why are these projects so important? Well, because stormwater knows no bounds. It's in every country, it's in every city, especially, uh, it's especially prevalent in cities. But even in the countryside and in, in hillsides, there are issues that stormwater brings that these particular kind of installations can help mm -hmm. uh, kind of manage. So, like I said, no matter where you are, stormwater is an issue, especially with this kind of uh, with global warming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and having citizens involved, uh, actually, uh, my Rotary International Club, the Rotary Club of Washington, D.C., actually is providing funding to this project we're looking at right here. And they almost every weekend, they have uh, what they call volunteer parties, work parties, uh, and people from uh, around the district and even from uh, the surrounding states here come in for these projects. What are they learning in this open air classroom, if you will, that they're probably not going to be learning if they're just sitting in a classroom or uh, just trying to find out online about what it is to be concerned about the environment. What are they learning with these shovels and the rakes and the forks uh, that you really need to be out there to learn it? Well, uh, Sam, some people are classroom learners. Some people are, are in the ground folks. I'm an in the ground folk. Mm -hmm. And uh, what makes it all worthwhile is actually taking what's in the book and putting it into practice. And that's exactly what this is. This class actually is a landscape uh, education class. Uh, the young lady there, she's LEED certified. So she's teaching them how to maintain uh, best management practices, which is one of the real key things. It's great to install projects, but if the, the projects fail, if they aren't maintained. Right. Well, the whole thing about it too is having certification. This is something that I've been talking about for years that when you do this training, uh, if you go through it, everyone needs a certificate to say that they actually did this, a uh, little background about what they actually learned and how they can apply it. Why is a certification and the certificates themselves so critically important uh, to people in the inner city or if they're in a very rural area to have this type of recognition? Well, one, not only the sense of accomplishment, but also there's a difference between 
certification involves more of an intricate game plan where you can really go out and you're learning real practical skills to go out and make an impact at a job, in a community, in a thought process. So therefore, this program does all three. You actually can go out in the field and work with a job and, and create projects and, and maintain them. But also, you have the wherewithal to be able to know how those projects to other people and, and especially your family members and the members of your community yeah. and with that certification you're also bringing home the bacon to your community mm -hmm. you're 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 showing hey i'm participating and i'm i'm going to show you something new and different yeah so that's what's so great about it I think it's uh, critically important. We're going to uh, go out on this. We're about running out of time, Brian. So I'm just going to kind of stroll. And again, how they're impacting the communities. And let's be uh, quick on each one so we can get all sure. of the slides because these are great, great uh, images and great projects. So this is an installation over in Ward 8 in Washington, D.C. And as you actually can see, this is right across from Holmes. This is a uh, bioretention uh, right in Oxen Run Park. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. This is over in Oxen Run Park. You can see the two different inlets. And this is what you call. I think these are great uh, to have these side by side because uh, they're very different, but yet having uh, similar impacts. Uh, we're going to have several images of this. Tell us what we're seeing and why is it so different than the two that we just saw. So this is more street side curb cut. Uh, and in this one, as you see those levels, these are called weirs, they work to say, for instance, when the first section fills up, it flows over and flows over into the next. But this is one of the key things. This was really filled with plants at one point. And as you can see from a lack of maintenance, that's what happened. This and is this, pretty much the same thing. This is curbside over in uh, Northeast DC. Uh, and this one you see is lush and, and yeah. they've been maintained. Really pretty. This yeah. is our rain barrel guys. So yes. this is some of the NGICP guys learning it. You learn a little bit about everything. And that's what I think is really important about the program. It's a gateway. Yeah. It's a gateway into so many different areas. And when you find out what you feel like you want to participate in, where you want to make an impact. Here, this is the Summer Youth Employment Program. Now, not only do these guys in the yellow vest who are NGCP, IGCP graduates, um, getting job training experience, they're actually teaching young folks. I think that's fantastic, Brian. Thank you for being with us. Brian Rogers, Director of Conservation Sustainability, Constituent Services Worldwide talking about the Chesapeake Bay Landscape Professional and NGICP as we create the Emerald Planet.